Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. What's up, Freedom House? How's everybody doing today? Come on. It's good to be in the house of God, is it not? Come on. Can we give God some praise? Come on. I mean, it's already been a phenomenal day, and it's just going to get better from here on out. So I'm excited to be here with you. If you guys are first-time guests with us, if you don't know how Freedom House does things, we actually have three in-person campuses. We have one in South End, one in Lake Norman, and in my opinion, maybe biased a little bit, the best one here at Central. Come on. Give it up for yourselves. Clap yourself on the back. And maybe you guys joined us online. We're so glad you guys did that today and came virtually right here with us. That's right. That's right. Well, we are Aaron and Stephanie Bland. We are the campus pastors here at this campus. And we love our campus. We love the people that come to Freedom House Church. And today, you're going to have to put up with us for about 30 to 35 minutes, plus, (laughs) plus, plus, however long it goes, right? That's right. So we are in a series today called The Church Defined. And we're going to be talking about how the Bible defines church versus how it's defined by culture. Now, y'all gonna have to put your seatbelts on. Everybody just gonna strap in um, because this is not a popular message today, Um, but it is the message that God gave us to share. And so we're excited to share that because we know that when God's word goes out, everything changes. That's right. So if you wanna find out what's going on in culture and what culture says about a church, well, how about we just ask Siri? Because Siri knows everything, right? Let's see. (laughs) Hey, Siri, what is a church? A church, church building or church house is a building used for Christian worship services and other Christian religious activities. Shall I continue? No, you're done. (laughs) That's all I need to know. So is that true or false? It's false because the church is not a building. It is not pews. It is not the walls of this church. It's not even about the pulpit or the pastors. It's not about the programs. The church is not a building. It's not a crowd. I can find a crowd at a football game. It's not a country club where you pay your dues, you come in, you get weighted on hand and foot. Uh 
It's not a buffet line where you go through and just say, oh, I'll have a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and just whatever it takes. With a little bit of sugar me. on top. A little sugar on top. Yeah, a little Jesus sprinkled on it. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the church? Well, the church in the Greek is ecclesia. And ecclesia means an assembly. Now, that is not just any assembly. That's an assembly of Christ's followers who derive their identity and mission from Jesus. Now, this assembly we call the church is a movement that's been happening throughout time. We are a part of that if we are Christ followers, and we are to influence the world. And so we're going to talk about that today. So the church exists through three ways. It exists through the Big C Church, which is church global. It's all believers from all time. It also exists through the Little C Church, which is the local church. That's you and I. That's right here at Freedom House. And then it exists through the Christian. What does that mean? That means you are the church. That's right. When studying the church, you can't help. You have to study Peter, right? Yeah, you can't skip over Peter. You can't Peter. skip over him because that's where the New Testament church was founded. And Jesus said this to Peter. He said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, if that's the case, why does it seem like the church in America is being overran by culture? Come on. Why is that? That's a good question. Why does it seem like we're, we're coming down and culture is going up? I'll tell you why. Because the church and Christians have been silent for way too long. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, the enemy is loud and proud. And he's yes, trying he to is. force an agenda on everybody. But it's time for us to rise back up. Now what you might know, you might, what you might not know is that right now in the 11 o'clock hour, the church hour, there are children being read uh, to by drag queens down in Robert Bearden Park, right in the city of Charlotte. Now, we're going to talk about this today. This is not going to be a popular message, like I said, but I want you to stick with us because I want you to see how God is going to reveal the attack of the enemy on people. Yeah, I saw a post this week, and I really want you to catch what it means. It may seem a little strong for some of you, but I want you to check this out. It's a picture of a wolf dressed up in drag, makeup, and the quote simply reads, I just want to read some books to your chickens. Now, we all know the wolf has a much deeper agenda than just reading, right? He wants to come in, he wants to devour the chickens. Mm -hmm. Well, this is exactly what's happening in society right now because we are down there listening to these people and what's happening is they are trying to force an agenda on children That's and on right. people that, children. that is wanting to devour them. Mm -hmm. You want to read a story? I have a story for you. It's called Little Red Riding Hood. Have you ever read that story? Because what happens? The wolf dresses up like sweet little grandma and puts on those feminine clothes to draw the children in closer, right? And Little Red Riding Hood finally gets close enough and he devours her. That's right. The enemy is wanting to devour your children and kill your destiny. That's what he wants to do. And here's the thing. It's time for the local church to stand up. We cannot back down to these agendas. Yep. It is time for us to stand up and to speak up and to become the influencers the New Testament church was and change the world. Why? Why is that important? It's because the church is advanced through influence. It's advanced through influence. So when we talk about influence, America has influence. In every major country, we have what we call U.S. embassies. And wherever that embassy is located, that is sovereign territory. Yep. So the land that that embassy is on is actually U.S. soil. And inside the gates of that embassy, 
U.S. laws supersede the laws of that land. Mm -hmm. So if you're ever in trouble, you need to get to the U.S. Embassy. They're gonna help you out, right? But Americans, when they go into this foreign country and set up these embassies, what they cannot do is become like the culture that they're set in. Right. See, the embassy stands up on its own. It is supposed to be in a foreign land, but not be influenced by that foreign land or corrupted by that foreign land. The embassy is to carry out the interest of the United States by exercising the authority given by the legislation here in the homeland. That's good. Let me read the mission to you of a U.S. embassy. The mission of the U.S. embassy is to advance the interest of the United States and to serve and protect the U.S. citizens. Come on. You know, God has an embassy also. It's called the church. The church is his embassy throughout history to bring the interests of heaven to earth. Come on. That is our job, to bring the legislation and the authority of heaven here. The church is the only entity God has entrusted to bring a heavenly kingdom here, and we're the only group of people authorized to, by God to heal, Come on. to deliver, and to proclaim about another homeland called heaven. Wow. The church is not to represent the country it's in. It has one interest, to, to move forward the interest of God, and that's, that's it. right. And here's the thing, that God, God is not gonna skip the church house to fix the White House. No, he's gonna start with the church. It is up to you and I to change culture. It's up to you and I to influence the world for Jesus. In Ephesians 1, through 23, Paul said, he is in charge of it all. He's talking about God. He has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, in which he fills everything with his presence. And I want you to catch that word, fills. What this verse means is that the church is to influence the world, not the other way around. The church is to fill and take dominion on the earth. Now this means that Christians are to fill the seats in local government, in the House, in the Senate, and in the White House. We are to stand for truth so that people can experience Christ's freedom. We are to fight for the freedoms that our American soldiers sacrificed for. That is the church. So what else should the church be doing? Carrying out the mandate of heaven that Christ shared with his disciples. Let's take a look at Matthew 28, 19. Here is the mandate for every Christian. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now Peter and the disciples, they took this mandate seriously. Mm -hmm. And what happened, when Pentecost happened, the Holy Spirit fell. And Peter became emboldened. He got this courage that he'd never had before. When he stepped out of those doors, he preached the word of God, and 3,000 people came to know Christ on the very first day of the New Testament church. That's a pretty good start. Yeah, especially considering Freedom House started with 36 people. Right. (laughs) Peter really did influence the world. And see, the thing of it is, is he was an uneducated fisherman, and he turned the world upside down. So here in America... We have every resource at our disposal. What is our excuse? Why isn't that we are influencing culture like the early church? You know, we need to be more like Peter. Peter stopped making excuses. 
Tell yourself, stop making excuses. He got under the influence of the Holy Spirit. See, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he boldly built his life and church on a firm foundation. He did not move from that foundation. You see, we're to influence the world for Christ. That's right. So let's talk about the foundation that the church is actually built on. The church is built on integrity. See, what is the definition of integrity? It means being complete, uncorrupted, pure, and therefore having strength. Mm. Your hard drive on your computer, if it gets a virus, it starts slowing down. It becomes corrupted. It, programs don't work like they're supposed to. And do you know that our minds are the exact same way? If we allow outside influences, these viruses to come in, our lives become affected. And just like you get so upset and frustrated with the computer, <laughs> life will get frustrating too. Because now you're letting stuff influence you that didn't influence you before, mm -hmm. and life gets off the rails. It gets off track, and you don't know what to do. Another example of something strong, pure, and incorrupted is granite. So granite is durable. It's resistant, even under intense heat and pressure. And that is how we have to be as the church, because we have intense heat. We have pressure coming at us every day, but we've got to be able to stand strong on the rock of Jesus. In Matthew 16, 16 through 18, Jesus speaks about another rock that the church would be built on. It was the rock of integrity. He asked Peter, who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. See, in this verse, Jesus is stating Peter's identity. He said, you are Peter. Now, there's more to that than what it sounds, okay? And what, this is what I want to explain to you. We already talked about uh, Peter just being a, an uneducated fisherman. He was a follower of Christ. But did you also know that he used to be someone else? He used to be Simon. But Jesus gave him a new name, and that new name was Peter. And that name was based on the confession that Peter made about who Jesus was. You see, Peter in Greek is Petros, which means a piece of rock or a stone. Now, the rock used when he said, I will build my church, is not Petros. It's actually Petra, which means a large, massive rock. See, a lot of people believe Jesus was referring to Peter when he said, on this rock, I'll build my church. He was not. He was actually referring to himself. And this was based on Peter's confession of who Jesus was, not on Peter himself. Yeah, Peter was... He wasn't the rock, but he was a piece of rock, mm -hmm. right? So Jesus was gonna use him. It's like Peter was a chip off the old block. <laughs> I bet you the older people in the room know exactly what that means. Why expression you gotta be picking means, on the right? older people in the room? I'm not so sure the young people get yeah, that. Yeah, don't one. look my way. That's not a millennial thing, yeah, but <laughs> I mean, think about it though. When your kid finally got the revelation of something, you've been telling them something, they finally get it. Yep. You're like, yes, you're excited. You're like, he got it. Right. This is awesome. You broke through. You got it. This is exactly what Jesus was doing right now with Peter. He was saying, man, you got it. Mm. And on this confession is what I'm going to build my church on. I'm so excited for you. So that's what we do as parents. Right. We're excited for our kids, and Jesus is excited for his kids. But how quickly things change. Right after this, right after Jesus calls Peter a stone, he calls him Satan. 
Why did he call him Satan? Because he was standing in the way of God's will. You see, man is fallible, but Jesus never fails. Man can be corrupted by culture, but Jesus is never corrupted. And this is why the church is built on the integrity of Jesus and never on man. You know, we're hearing about all kinds of scandals in the big C church all across Actually, in local churches all across the globe, we're seeing people, you know, have affairs. We're seeing all kinds of stuff. And that's because man is corruptible. Jesus is not. The big C church is still standing strong. It always has been, and it always will stand on the integrity of Jesus, not on man. Now, what can we learn from this? That we must never move off the foundation the church was built on. It was built on the integrity of Christ. In John 1.14, the Bible says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You see, Jesus is the word. And he was sent to the earth to set the standard of integrity that you and I live by. Now, this means that God's word sets the standards and we don't. That's right. Even in Acts 4.11, Peter referred to Jesus as the chief cornerstone. You know, whenever you're building something, you have to have a cornerstone to set that foundation. And if you build upon that cornerstone, everything will endure and rise up. But if you don't, your life's gonna get off rails, the building won't be the way it's supposed to. It's gonna crumble. And that's exactly the way it is with our faith. Right. If we set it on the chief cornerstone, our faith will endure. But if you try to bring all these outside influences in, it's not gonna happen, it's mm. not gonna endure. It so actually good. faces a possibility of collapsing. You know, you guys may remember this story back in May of 2000, there's a pedestrian bridge that leads from the Charlotte Motor Speedway across mm -hmm. the highway. And after the race was over with, that bridge collapsed. Mm -hmm. Over 100 people were seriously injured. It was an absolute tragedy. But after they inspected the bridge, what they found out is when they built the bridge, there was impurities and corruption in that grout and concrete mm -hmm. within that bridge. And over time, it killed the structural right. integrity. And so what ended up happening is when the weight and the pressure of the people walking on it came, mm -hmm. it fell. That's so good. Same thing's gonna happen with our faith. Yeah, we have to build it. We cannot allow structural integrity of our faith to become impure. Exactly right. So let me tell you what Freedom House is built on. Freedom House is built on truth. It's built on the Bible. And we will not align with culture. We will never align with culture. We will always be biblically correct. See, we exist to bring the heaven or the homeland of heaven to the earth so that people can experience Christ's freedom. Look at all these people that experience Christ's freedom today. That is why we are here. We're here for the mission of the gospel. It's to advance the kingdom of God. So since you and I are the church, our lives must also be built on integrity. We're gonna take a look at Romans 12 too. It's gonna come up on the screens. It says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. That should let us know that we've gotta change a little bit of how we think, right? This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. You see, God has a beautiful life planned for us when we align with the word of God. Yeah, but sometimes, you know what? It will cost you. It will cost you. It cost me once. Um, so I had moved to Charlotte, North Carolina for a job. For with me. A rate, a rate, no, it wasn't for you. <laughs> yes, you did. 
That's what she thinks. I met her a month after I moved here, not for her. All right, so anyways, I moved here for racing. That's what I moved here for, to uh, get a job on a NASCAR team. And um, so I had that job for about a year, and my crew chief walked me in one day to the office, and he's like, hey, we're going to have to let you go. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, I just don't think it's going to work out for next year. I'm like, I'm doing everything you've asked me to do. He's like, no, no, I'm not saying it's your work ethic. It's not, it's not what you've done. I just don't think the team chemistry is going to work out for next year. Mm. And I'm like, I don't get it. And so I didn't know this, but 15 minutes prior, the guy who I was on the road with, he was my roommate, had got let go too. And so two of us in 15 minutes got let go. And so I started talking to him a little bit and started replaying some of the stuff. And I'm like, team chemistry, what does this mean? Mm. And it finally clicked. You know, when we went out to dinner after a hard day at the race, what ended up happening is the drink in my hand didn't look like the drink in their hand. The words I was was saying was not the words that they were saying. Mm -hmm. I didn't go to the bars at night and go chase women and go to the topless bars and all the things that they were doing. So Mm -hmm. you know what? Yeah, team chemistry wasn't working out because I wasn't gonna stand with what they did. I stood on the integrity of who I was, which was founded in the Bible. So good. And I'm so glad he did. (laughs) But here's the rest of the story. See, I got let go from that job and went on to a a much better one uh, because God had a better plan. But years later, the roommate that I had that got let go 15 minutes before I did, uh, we ran into one another at the movie theater. And he said, man, I've been meaning to tell you this and I never sent the letter. I wrote you a letter and here's what it said. He said, you don't know this, but one day when we were on the road, I got down on my knees and asked Jesus into my life. I like that, huh? <laughs> I mean, I wasn't even in the room when it happened. And he said it wasn't because of what you said, it was because of how you led your life. You didn't fall into all the stuff that they were doing, and you t- spoke positively about the God that you serve, mm-hmm. and I wanted the same thing in my life. So if I was only there for 12 months, so one guy could completely change his destiny, so be it. Absolutely. And that's why it is so important to stand your ground, to stand on integrity, because people are watching. And it could be somebody's life, eternal destiny changed because you stood on integrity. We can't look like the world. We've got to look like the church. And I love this quote, babe. You've got to share this. Okay. This quote is, uh, is pretty awesome. Um, I ran across it the other day. It says, if you value integrity... Be prepared to take a beating from those who have none. And read that one more time. If you value integrity, be prepared to take a beating from those who have none. We see that every single day. The people who try to make a a stand get beat down by the crowd. Right, they wanna silence us. Yeah. So we've learned today that the church is built on integrity. But being a person of integrity comes from your identity in Jesus. So we're going to talk a little bit about identity now, and we need to understand that the church is branded by identity. What does that mean? That means we're labeled, we're marked, and we are defined by the identity of Jesus, not the identity of man. Now we're going to dig into um, some things right now, and, and you know, you may not agree or understand what it is that we're going to talk about, but I promise you, if you'll stick with us. God will reveal some things today. I believe he's gonna 
show us who we truly are in him. So Genesis 1.27 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now this verse has never been more important than in today's culture. Listen to me, church. Our identity is given by God. I'll say it again. Our identity is given by God. It's not given by the labels the world wants to stick on us. And I want to talk a little bit right now about some brands. But before I do that, I want to talk about Adam and Eve. You see, this is not a new trick of the enemy. The enemy's been up to the same old tricks all of all, since time, you know, since time began, all right? So what I need you to see is that in the garden, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they were separated from God. When they were separated from God, they started to identify more with the world than with God. You understand that? Because when you hang out with somebody for a long period of time, you start to look like that person you start to act like that person. You start to talk like that person, like Aaron dresses like me a lot. <laughs> no, you changed. Yes. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> he did not have that shirt on first service. You look like me. Anyway. Listen, 90% of the time, I get dressed first and she matches me. That's no, all that's there is not, to I it. I picked right? my outfit this, out this the night it. before. <laughs> All right, let's move so, on. Okay. Let's get back to scripture here. Yes, so it was this separation that caused us to leave our identity in God and identify with the world. But to solve this problem, God sent his son, right? In John three sixteen, the most famous verse in the Bible, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God solved the problem by sending his son. When we confess our belief in Jesus, we become a child of God. That is our new identity. And as our new identity, as a child of God, we begin to imitate God. Now, does that mean Christians are perfect? Absolutely not. He's not perfect. And neither is she. Don't let her fool you. <laughs> it means that we're saved by the one who is perfect. That's what it means. And we are to represent God. And you, you see, the thing of it is, is the reputation of the church will only be as good as those who represent it. Yep. So if we're going to represent him, we have to get rid of culture. Absolutely. We have to understand that we're founded in the word. Mm -hmm. And see, right now, identity has been the biggest crisis that we're facing. Yep, as a culture. Um, this culture has been messed up. And why? Because culture has tried to change what identity really is. It's See, literally tried to change the definition of identity. Yeah, let me tell you how sly the enemy is, all right? So culture says identity is the beliefs and expressions that characterize a group. So therefore, culture says whenever people believe... Whatever they believe Whatever they believe to be. for themselves and however they want to express themselves, that's who they are. Yep. Well, if anyone refuses to affirm that, all of a sudden, we're the ones that are intolerant. How is that true? That's not true at all. Yeah, we're not attacking their identity. We're actually helping them find their new identity, their identity in Christ, their true identity. Yeah. 
And so uh, culture also brands people. We're gonna jump into this right now. It brands people by grouping them with the identity of those they are with. So for example, these brands are black or white. They're Republican or Democrat. They're gay, straight. They're she, him, they. The list goes on. What, what's happening is the enemy wants you to identify with those things and move God way down mm-hmm. the list. He doesn't want you to identify first as a Christian. No, he wants to label you with all these different things so that way it keeps your eyes on those. How do I fit in here? How do yep. I fit in here? How do I fit in here? Do you know the group don't care about the individual? That's right. As soon as you're done with their agenda, they'll drop you like a bad habit. That's exactly right. Jesus Christ don't do that. He cares about you as an individual. That's right. And he adopts you into his family. That's what it's all about. Right. Yeah, and the thing of it is, is if you ever step out of the church, when you come back, you're accepted with open arms. That is not gonna happen if you leave the group that you identify with. Um, So what we need to understand is that if we never discover who we are in Christ, then we become powerless. That's exactly what the enemy wants. See, Satan has an agenda. And his agenda is to attack us, to silence us, to beat us down, to cause us to not have influence on the earth. When are we gonna open up our eyes and see his agenda? Maybe this will open up your, your eyes. Yesterday and today, like we talked about earlier, downtown Charlotte in Romare Bearden Park, kids are being taught to explore their gender by an, ex- an organization called Drag Queen Story Hour. Now we're gonna bring up a picture on the screen because I want you to see their vision statement because I want you to understand their agenda. It says, Drag Queen Story Hour captures the imagination and play of the gender fluidity of childhood and gives kids glamorous, positive, and unabashedly queer role models. In spaces like this, kids are able to see people who defy rigid gender restrictions and imagine a world where everyone can be their authentic selves. Now this makes me so angry. And the reason it makes me angry is because that is not who these children are. The authentic self that we are is the one that God created us to be and that's it. That's it. Can I, can I say something else too? It's not just the people putting this on. The parents, the parents who would even subject their kids to this stuff need to be saved. They need to understand what the true agenda is behind all that. Because gender, number one, gender cannot be changed by just putting on a dress or pants or what. You can't change that by changing your clothes. Your DNA cannot be changed by doing a sex change. I mean, you cannot identify as a four-legged animal and be called a furry. It's just stupid. I'm sorry. I don't know how else to say that one. It's just dumb. And men, you cannot become pregnant. Mind-blowing. I want you to catch this. Satan has tricked people into practicing self-idolatry under the guise of self-exploration. Do I need to say that again? Say it again. (laughs) You can write this one down. This is tweetable, quotable, Instagrammable. Satan has tricked people into practicing self-idolatry. Do you guys know what that is? Worship of self under the guise of self-exploration. 
That is to discover our true identity. We don't need more self-exploration. We need to explore who God is because we were created in his image. We need to get off TikTok, Instagram, trying to figure out how we're supposed to look like this, be this, say that so I can fit in and start putting that time and effort into what the word says you are. Mm -hmm. You're, he didn't come for you just to live a life. He came for you to live a more abundant life. That's right, John 10, 10. Now, now try to find that on TikTok because TikTok's not gonna show you how to live an abundant life. Right. It's gonna it's say, to hey, if you, wanna, if you wanna fit in, you have to do this, you have to dance this, you have to say this, you have to do whatever. But the word of God and that, completely says something different. That's how the enemy's bringing it in. He, he's bringing it in under this word acceptance. Everybody wants to be accepted. So if you don't accept them, then you're a bigot. You know, it's not about acceptance. We are all accepted by God. God is the one that paid the price. He died for our sins so that we could be accepted. We don't need to go out there and fit in with the world. True definition of identity is this, the fact of being who or what a person is. So the fact is you were created by God. The fact is God created you male or female, that's it. The fact is God made marriage between a man and a woman, period. And I cannot believe that culture is trying to come up against that. Now, the even, sanctity of marriage. Even right now, there's something going on in legislation. It got kicked down uh, the street a little bit, a couple months here until after midterms. But you know there's something happening right now. They're trying to make marriage to whatever you want to call it. I mean, there's not no going to be a definition anymore. It's just basically, you can marry whoever you want to. And if the church stands up against that, there's going to be some major mm -hmm. penalties mm -hmm. for the church. Maybe taking away funding, maybe taking away um, tax benefits, all these different things that the church is able to get right now, they can come against them That's and right. take them to court for it. So it's we're going to come back to scripture right now. You guys ready for that? All right. So let's look at a time when Peter faced an identity crisis. It's right here in the Bible. The night Jesus was arrested, Peter was in the garden with him. When the crowd came to arrest Jesus, Peter and all the disciples fled. They've all fled. Now, I never saw that before, but it really stood out to me this time. Then Peter later followed behind with the crowd and entered the courtyard to see what would happen to Jesus. So he's with the crowd in the courtyard, warming his hands by the fire, cozying up with the crowd. Now let's take a look at what happened next. Matthew 26, 69 through 75. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard when a servant girl came up to him and said, I recognize you. You were with Jesus, the Galilean. In front of everyone, Peter denied it. And he said, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. Later, as he stood near the gateway of the courtyard, another servant girl noticed him and said, I know this man is a follower of Jesus, the Nazarene. Once again, Peter denied it. And with an oath, he said, I tell you, I don't know the man. A short time later, those standing nearby approached Peter and said, we know you're one of his disciples. We can tell by your speech. Your Galilean accent gives you away. Peter denied it. And using profanity this time, he said, I don't know the man. At that very moment, the sound of the crowing rooster pierced the night. Then Peter remembered the prophecy of Jesus before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. 
With a shattered heart, Peter left the courtyard, sobbing with bitter tears. In the midst of the crowd is where Peter had an identity crisis. You need to look at the progression. Look at the progression of what happened to Peter. The longer he stayed in the crowd, at first, he chose to remain anonymous. Second, he chose to deny he was a Christ follower. Then third, he even started cursing and using profanity and saying, I don't even know the man. He started to look and act like the crowd. The crowd will take you so much further than you want to go. And they want you to stay much longer than you should stay. That's what the crowd does. They start to pull you away from who Mm -hmm. you really are. And see, the thing of it is, is Peter was trying to fit in the crowd, but it could not happen. It did not work. Why? Because he was already marked by Jesus. You know, today, maybe you've been in the crowd a little too long. Maybe you've lost your way. Maybe you've forgotten who you were in Christ. Maybe you've forgotten that you've been made righteous through Christ and through the blood of Jesus. I want everybody to just stand with me right now as we just spend a moment in the presence of our Creator. Can you just go ahead and close your eyes right now? I don't know what kind of crowd that you've identified with, but Jesus wants to brand you and stamp you today as a child of God, as a son or daughter of God. You know, and maybe for you, you've known Christ, but you stepped out into the crowd and you've gotten lost and it's time to return. It's time to return to the family who will receive you, who will accept you. Everything that you are looking for is in Christ and in his family. If that's you today, you've stepped away from Jesus and you want to come back, just go ahead and raise your hand right now. All right, awesome. I see your hand. And then I want to talk to the people who've never accepted Jesus. They've never started that relationship with them. They've been trying on their own to figure out where they belong. And it's been difficult. Today, God says, you belong in my family. I created you in my image. You are my child. If you want to receive the free gift of Jesus' salvation today, and you want to begin a relationship In his family, I want you to raise your hand. No one looking around. I'm gonna pray for you. Father, you can repeat after me. Father, thank you for accepting me for who I am and making me like you. I thank you, God then when I receive a relationship with you, when I start walking with you, I'll begin to look like you, I'll begin to sound like you, and I'll begin to talk like you. And I 
will become an influencer in this world for Jesus. Because my identity is found in Christ. In Jesus' name. Come on, can you give it up for those people that raised their hand today? So thankful. I have a few things to share with those that raised their hand today. Number one, you are part of the Freedom House family. Come on, Freedom House, welcome them. And God has everything you need right here in the church. You don't have to step back out into the crowd. Just make church the place that you plant and build your life. I have one more story for you before you go. You know, you're called to be an influencer. And some people get it way off base, actually what that looks like. They think they should be running down the streets yelling the name of Jesus. And maybe that's okay for you. But some of us, that's not what we're called to do. See, there's a girl down at our South End campus and she works for a bank that might have the name America in it. And it's here locally. And they sent out an email to all the staff and they said, we want you to go ahead and put on all the emails you send back out who you identify as. You know, go ahead and put your pronouns down there. Whatever it is you identify as, that's what we wanna know. So everybody's sending the he, she, all that kind of stuff back except for this girl. She put on hers, I identify as a child of God. So she started signing everything, child of God. How cool is that? So Bank of America sends this, oops, I said it all in one sentence. Um, they send this mandate back out and said, hang on a minute, what are you doing? We ask you to put on there who you identify as. She said, I did. And don't you know, because she did it, everybody else started jumping on board and doing the exact same thing. And then what happened? It wasn't too long after that, Bank of America sends another email out to everybody. Hey, we don't need you to do this anymore. So influence your culture, it can be right there in your own office building. She changed the culture of what a company wanted. Bank of America. I mean, hello. You know how big that is? And not only that, but she was making it boldly known, just like the people who got baptized today, who she was and who she followed. If you want more influence in your life, I want you to raise your hand. If you want to be more bold, I want you to raise your hand. I'm going to pray over you. Heavenly Father, I, you see every hand, Lord. You see every heart. And Lord, I know you've put them where they are for a purpose, God. They may not know that right now, but they're there for a purpose. Even though I didn't know I was at that race team for a purpose, there was a purpose. And there was a guy that needed to meet you. And these people had the exact same calling on their life, Lord. They're supposed to proclaim the gospel wherever they go, wherever their feet take them, God. They're supposed to proclaim the gospel. So right now, I just pray that they stand on the integrity of Jesus the rock, the foundation of their faith, God, and you give them boldness to boldly go out there and proclaim like Peter did, Lord, that you are the Christ and you are the way of salvation, God. So I just thank you for their hearts, Lord. I thank you for where you're gonna take them. I thank you for their influence. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen. 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 
Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.